0: This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi. This is David Healy. Hello. This is Stephen Ferris.
1: Hi. I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi.
0: This is Joey Barton. Enchilas Gutierrez. Hi. This is Harry Q. And you're listening news. to
1: the score.
0: The score with Michael Clark.
2: Welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark, here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. On the programme today, we continue to look at how the current situation is affecting clubs outside of the top flight. In a minute, we'll be talking to a representative from Bangor Football Club. Sean O'Neill was one of a number of players calling for testing to be introduced in the Irish Premiership. He'll be on the show today reacting to the IFA and Nifl implementing the necessary changes which allowed testing to commence yesterday. And Colin Hopkins will join us later on to give us his thoughts on all of this weekend's games. It's all coming up right here on the
1: score. The Score with Michael Clark.
2: It's time to welcome our first guest on to the score of the afternoon, and he is the commercial director of Bangor Football Club. Graham Bailey, it is great to have you back on the programme. How are you? I'm
3: very well, Michael. Um thanks very much for the invite to have me back.
2: It's been a while, and uh, I'm sure for Bangor football fans, that is exactly the sentiment. It's been a while, apart from a few friendlies here or there before Christmas. They're they're missing their football club, and I'm sure you are too.
3: Oh, absolutely, um, I think that it's coming on to a year when we have only played one competitive match. Um, so you know, from everyone involved in the club, um, it feels like a, a like a decade ago or a century ago that we've actually been been playing football. It's been a very very tough tough um, without having football obviously because it is such a major part in, in everyone's lives but um, as we all know there's a there's a greater um, peace going on the world out there and it's a matter of, of keeping everybody safe and well and and, and getting through the pandemic in, in the best way we can.
2: How tough has it been from your perspective obviously as a commercial director um,
3: <laughs> how do you do anything? Um, I must admit Michael as always and you know Anybody has listened to this before, maybe sound like a, a broken record, but it's very much the, um, the affiliation of the local businesses, the support of the local businesses that have been there and they've been heartbeat of the football club in order to keep it going. Um, sort of whenever we took over as a board, um, three or coming on to four years ago. Um, and, and to be fair, that support has been there. Um, I suppose out of everything that the pandemic has brought has been that um I suppose the community spirit is still very very much there. Um I think you can see that, you know, smaller businesses are being supported more, um, even though they, they find it tough, there's been a lot more around keeping things local, um, which which has been great. Um and, you know, again without the support of the local businesses, um, we wouldn't have survived. Um so, you know, from from, from my perspective, I, I can't speak highly enough of the, of the community locally within the Bangor area and broader than that, and it really has safeguarded the, the, the short-term and medium-term future of the football club.
2: Is that really how stark it was? Without their support this year, that would be you gone?
3: Yeah, no, I think it is as is, um, black and white as that, Michael. Um, you know, <clears throat> basically, you know, the removal of of being able to you rent out the pitch that we have as a facility. Obviously, um, we, we have a mortgage that we have to pay. We have bills we have to pay. And, and, and that has been taken away from us. Um, at this moment in time, there still hasn't been sort of we, we don't fall into the brackets that, that that cover the, I suppose, the government grant schemes that have been there for, for small businesses. Um, we, we, unfortunately, are almost treated as if we've been slipped through the from that perspective but you know we've got local representatives there that are that are trying to help us along that journey to 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 try to sort of get us on board um but it it has been that tough it's been it's been a nightmare to be honest with you um from a a volunteer perspective from a football club because let's not forget that we all are volunteers we all have a family at home we all have our own day jobs or you know they they keep us going so you know uh, Listen, we put our hands up and, and we're the ones that, that, that joined the board in order to, to, to do it. But certainly this year has been as tough a year as there has been um, and it's a matter of just getting that through. But listen, we're here. We're alive and kicking and, and um, yeah, whenever and we're given the green light we're ready to go again.
2: You know, in doing these programs, even going way back to the first lockdown, I think what's important to say as well is another unsung hero is those sponsors, those local businesses, and and they can often be overlooked because what is normally seen as, well, it's a commercial partnership. They're getting something out of this arrangement too, so they don't get the congratulations for supporting local football at this time. To be quite honest, they aren't getting the return that they would have invested for that they put their money in for. So any supporter financially of a football club at the minute is doing it simply for the love of the football club, aren't they?
3: No, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, you know, even from so we'll, you know we'll talk briefly around the support of local businesses, which has been which have been immense. And as I said, without that support, you know, you know there would definitely be him serious questions in terms of what way we function as a as a, as a football club. But also then from from the actual supporters, you know, you we, we have had supporters that have bought their season tickets. You know, I think that says it all. I mean, obviously, they'll be, um, you know, whenever the football starts again, they'll still they'll still be live live. But at the same time, even on the uncertainty, even with everything going on, we have had supporters sort of that um, sort of dig deep in their pockets in order to to buy their season tickets, the merchandise, you know, anything we've been holding from a club perspective, and and for me. And and that's probably been the biggest thing that, that sort of hit me between the eyes. The amount of supporter, volunteer support that, that we get as a football club, it, it just blows my mind every single time because it, it, it just doesn't stop. You know, it's always there and, and in order to, you know, sometimes when kind a of ramping a bit down, you know, because we don't have football or you know, what we're trying to achieve has been real, so to speak. That supporter vibrance, it, it, it just sort of kickstarts everything and you see the impact and, and the positivity that people have around the football club and it really just drives you on and keeps you going in them sort of darker days whenever you sort of can't see any light. So a hundred percent the actual supporter base that we have just continues to, to blow my mind and, and you know that that's really where why we're why, why we're sort of still in the position for going and I suppose why we're busting to get back at
2: it again. And that is, in a nutshell, why we all love football so much, isn't it? I mean, it shows you just how deep it goes that even when people are going through everything that they're going through at the moment, they still have that affinity with their football club. They still want to help if they can. And some people are are maybe even risking a bit of hardship to support their football club because they think it's just that important. And um, throughout this, I've definitely been thinking of the older fans who just this has been their entire life going to watch their team in this case i'm talking about banger but this applies to any club across the country really and uh, i just hope for people like that who you know this has been something that they have done their whole life that they get back to doing it in the not too distant future and that it'll be safe for them to do so it's been such a frustrating time so i can only commend you for the different community initiatives you've done because i know you certainly have engaged in different ways to try and keep involved with the community and give back as you have been receiving
3: yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of the the strands that we um have set ourselves as a board of directors at the football club, um, you know, p- becoming ingrained as a community club um was very much at, at the at the top of, of what we try to achieve. Now there's there had been and, and it's you know been well documented, there's been no secrets in terms of the firefighting that we've had to go through for a few years. But um I suppose the testimony to that has been the integration of a of a new set setup um within the football club. So really what we want to, to try to achieve would be creating our own talent nurturing our own talent and, and i suppose being in control of that um and you know from the i suppose from 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 our perspective on it is that, that in 10 years time we want to see products of our academy playing for the first team in the premiership and that sort of collective adds value to the club um the community and obviously the players and the development as well so we, you know, even through the pandemic, we, we sort of went ahead and, and we have brought in, uh, experienced coach Jeff Montgomery, um, to head up the academy for us. And through that, we, we've actually brought on, um, I think it's around about 10 underage teams now. Um, 140 new kids attached to the, to the club. And, you know, whenever I'm talking about the, the vibrance and the lifeblood of the football club, there definitely has been a lot more blood punching, pumping around the, 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 the soul of the club now. Um, Whenever you see the amount of kids that, that have been down to club, the training, obviously it has been really frustrating because we haven't been able to play um, competitive football, so to speak. But, but seeing the sort of, um, the smiles in their faces, the, the environment they've created, the mums and dads coming down, you know, it's been tremendous. So to have that um, added into what we're trying to achieve as a football club and, and very much, I suppose it does tick off the, the box of the community aspect my mantle has always been that the football club should be there for the community, but the community should be be there um, for the football club. So what you're saying there in terms of, you know, what we're getting from local businesses in order to keep us going, 100% right. But, you know, bring on, you know, we've got the man who secured the, the sponsorship of the, um, the new, um, you set up for, for two years and we went over and met the guys there, man, and, and they loved what we were doing and, and really just bought into the concept. And obviously to have large local businesses like that um, in order to, to provide the financial backing, in order to make it happen, it almost just relieves that stress that it needs from the financial burden. And then obviously you've got Jeff who who can overview the, the actual over marching piece of a, a coaching role where he's there developing the coaches and then obviously the, the better coaches we have the more educated they are obviously then that has a a, pot of, a positive down, um, down effect on the boys and the players because it's all about creating that sort of fun but also then professional environment for the boys that are and boys and girls I suppose I should add um, that, that are coming through the football
2: club Yeah back in August I saw that the 10 teams 1 club 1 badge uh, initiative and I think that's uh, as you say, only a positive thing for young people in the area, to, to feel that identity from um, the first time they pull on a jersey at whatever age and with all those lofty aspirations of where they one day might end up. Um, in terms of opportunities, I, I noticed uh, this week actually uh, a couple of uh, job listings from Bangor Football Club.
3: Yeah, we have. um our, our, our great stalwart, um, Peter Finucci, is, is sort of stepping down from his role of a che- uh, from a treasurer perspective, um, being great support for the club over, over many years, um, but he's looking just to take a little bit of a more backward step. He's, we're, we're, we're very hopeful that Peter's still going to be a hold in the club because he's a, an asset to what we do and his knowledge and experience. Um, you, know, you just can't put it. A value on that, so there is a, a treasurer stroke sort of financial director role. Um, um, you know, I suppose it is exactly what it says in the pin, You know, it, it is monitoring sort of the the financial stability. Um, maybe at the current times it might put a lot of people off with, with what I've just said, <laughs> but no, listen not we're Um, assigned footing in terms of what way we we're looking at as a as a football club. So just coming in and having someone overview that, you know, around budget setting and sort of monitoring the budgets and and sort of um gathering up management reports and so forth. And, you know, it's a really important role in terms of that detail be making sure that that we're all, um, I suppose we're all in a, uh, in a sort of between our mains, or below our means, so to speak. Um And then the other role is probably a bit more exciting in terms of what way we see the club moving forward. So we're looking to integrate a stadium development director. um And, and that's really bringing someone in in order to sort of Look at the overview of the facilities we have. Um, create the sort of football club at the Bangor Fields Arena as a community hub, um, and it helps. see then develop the facilities for both our players and our supporters to make it a more an increase, I suppose, um, match of the experience. So it's trying to really emphasise that community spirit. You know, whenever we're looking at the Boy Road and what facilities are there, you know, we will we'll find out this week and the response to the um. Resurvey survey with Centre to think I even I get inside like 16, 18 hours with 150 responses back to what direction um our local community see and want us to go in and for me that's sort of invaluable. Number one from how people want to be sort of see the club grow but I think also then the engagement that people have and the affiliation people have with the club and sometimes you can forget that Um and I think that if we can get it right uh it's going to have, it's going to you know the whole community is going to reap the rewards of that.
2: And uh the links to the survey and uh, the listings I would imagine are on social media and your website as well?
3: Yes, they are indeed. Um, through through Facebook, Twitter, um, and keep Instagram as well. And obviously then on our on our Facebook our sorry our website as well.
2: Okay, so you can check that out if that's of interest to you. Um I just wanna ask about the return to play because that's the big question hanging over let's face it nearly every single football team in Northern Ireland, bar 12, and um, the PIL can be left out of the conversation. At times, um, have you got any steer as to what's going on?
3: Yeah, I, I think, Michael, as you said, it's been a roller coaster season for us because I think that we've seen as if we've, we've got two steps forward and then something else happens and then you end up maybe five steps back. So in terms of sort of World Rally Football Club, it, it's been really difficult and challenging um, from I suppose from from Lee and and his management team engaging with the players, trying to keep them motivated, but also trying to keep them up to the required level of of fitness or engagement that that we're ready to go. So I think we've had a, a couple of dates where we were meant to be starting and and they fell fallen by the way wayside, and you know. And, and that's, that's, that's cool because the, the, the sort of health and safety of the general public in our country at this moment um, is paramount. It has to come first. Um but also we know that the positive impact sport and obviously when it comes to football in our club. So we know that, that that, the positive impact that can have. So it's trying to balance that and, and making sure that you know we're we're listening to what's being told and 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 the guidance we're given. We've got a, a COVID officer officer in place who who sort of is rigid with his outlook in terms of what we have to do as a football club to make sure that the safety and and I suppose health of everyone involved is is adhered to. But you know in terms of PAL, it's it, we don't know that 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 you know obviously we're 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 looking at a lockdown until uh, February. Um I suppose it would be remiss to think that as soon as that lockdown is lifted that we're going to be back kicking a, kicking a ball about I would imagine. Uh, I'm just trying to gauge what has went before that uh, we'll be probably looking at further restrictions and, and, you know, we, we look at the IFA guidance in terms of training without a ball and, and, you know, I, th- I think we're, we're still a, a away from being back from, from playing the game we love.
2: Is there anything that could be done better? Is there is there anything you see glaring that that needs to be addressed here with relation to the PIL and, and maybe even the championship?
3: Yeah, I think it's a hard one, and I think that as long as you know you're putting the health and safety of everyone involved at the forefront, I think that, that that I'm happy and we're we're cool as a club in order to to sort of go with that. I suppose the nervousness around our football club, and I suppose. You know, our our team was at the potential that the championship was going to be classed as elite, um, and for us that would have been a, a real negative for us as a football club because what it does is it just jeopardises your your whole team that you've that you've tried to to bring together, um, and I would imagine that that many championship clubs would have been able to come in and, and sort of sign our players because of nothing else other than. The opportunity to play football. And I suppose that was uh, on my mind quite a bit in terms of how do we sort of keep together. And I suppose it is from a selfishness perspective that, that, you know, well, is it a selfishness perspective? All we're looking to do is be classed the same as, as sort of the other 12 teams in, in the championship. So as a member club of, of NIFL the 35 clubs, you know, we, we want and, and we, I suppose we expect to be guided in the right way by, by the board of, of Niffel in doing the right thing. Um, obviously, I think it's great to see the Premiership back running and, and watching the games have been taken in quite a, quite a few games. And I think that, that the sort of, um, positivity that, that is around the Premiership is great for the local game. Um, but I suppose whenever we're at the sort of other end of the spectrum, um, and the sort of, sort of the, the, I suppose the bottom tier in the Niffel structure, um, you know, we still feel as if we have our part to play in that. Now, do I think that we should be, um, Sort of classes elite, you know. It's probably not for me to decide that at this current moment in time. Um, I think that the the, the sort of overriding factor is is that the health and safety of everybody. So if we're not classes elite, that's absolutely fine. I, I, I would just want to be classed the same as the championship clubs at this moment in time. I think that, that in terms of the facilities that we have, um, in terms of the structure of the football club. I don't think there's any difference in the, in the two functions from a championship and a, and a PA, a PIL. Um, and I, I think that I'm cool with whatever is decided as long as it's is decided as a collective because obviously I have to think of the, the, the sort of impact it has on our team, our players, our club as a whole. And I don't want to be left behind through, I suppose, no fault of our own, so to speak. So, you know, I think it's positive news coming out from the fa that there's going to be testing for the Premiership players. I know that there's been a lot of noise um, from from players and managers around the safety that they are going through. So, you know, I suppose it's a matter of trying to navigate through this pandemic the best way they can, making sure everybody's looked after and we we'll get out the other side of it.
2: Yeah, and that certainly will be um, what everybody wants to do ultimately, and, and the pressure you feel there, if the championship were allowed to come back, is that the pressure. Excuse me, the pressure the championship is currently feeling with the Premiership back, and I'm sure if the PIL was back, it would be you know any other league looking up at you and thinking the same thing. It, it's such a difficult one to manage, but it's a point well worth articulating, um, and, and these are all the things that uh, the powers that be are, are having to try and figure out as well. So um, I guess the, the puzzle is, is not an easily solved one, even though everyone has their own answer to it but it's been great having you on um, and hopefully we're, we'll see you back playing football soon just before I let you go Graham is there any sense do you think of the, the null and void argument is it, is it growing or could you see a, a shift in dates for the league to allow some sort of season even I don't know over the summer
3: yeah well I think that you know we've recently had meetings from an internal perspective and I think that you know, there is no need in order to try to close the, the league down You know, the way it would usually be closed down. So it's a matter of, you know, looking to see if we can extend the league um, for as long as possible, I suppose. So does there have to be a a D Day, I suppose, when the league ends? Can we integrate uh, summer football? You know, even if it can't be the the same structure as a league um, in terms of promotion and relegation, is there something else that can be done in order to sort of keep us us going, so to speak, or get us back playing? I, I think that. I think you hit hitting me on the head, like when you said that, that there's, you know, it's really difficult decisions that are being made. I suppose at this moment in time, we're looking to hear the government guidelines. We're looking to take their advice, you know, and the and the safe, safety, the health and well-being of, of everyone involved in the country has to be paramount. So there probably is no rush in terms of getting a decision out there, and, and we just have to listen carefully to what that guidelines are. But at the same time, it wouldn't do any harm trying to have some contingency in place to see, you know, for example, can the leak Does it can the leak be extended to the end of June first start, or does it have to be paid by the end of May? Um, and and some sort of football come back. So at this moment in time, I don't think there's any rush in terms of making a decision. Um, we just have to follow the guidelines that's being passed down from the executive and then translated into the IFA and then. Obviously bringing it to the, the, the guys at Niffle in order to make the right call. But you know, that said, um, whenever the right time is deemed to be, um, I think all of us will be excited to be back playing the, the game of the love.
2: Here, here. Well, it's uh, good to have you back on the score, Graham. Uh, nice talking to you again. That is Graham Bailey, the commercial director of Bangor Football Club.
1: The score with Michael Clark.
2: Okay, well, we've had a bit of PIL perspective on the programme. Now it's time to turn our attention to the Premiership and we can speak to Crusaders goalkeeper, Sean O'Neill. Sean, welcome back onto the score. Good to talk to you.
0: Cheers, Michael. It's good to be back on. How's things with you?
2: I'm doing very well. It's um, good that we're going to be talking about football coming back again this weekend after, you know, I guess we missed a couple of match days, but ultimately it's uh, only one Saturday we missed. It's such a strange season. How do you as a player cope with it?
0: The way it is on off. Yeah, it was one it was one salary too many to be honest with you. Um, no, just just missed it. Um, being off, uh, it's not ideal to be honest with you. Misses, you missus starts to get uh, a few jobs about the house and that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not one for doing that. So yeah, look, it, it is what it is. It was the, you know, the circuit breaker come in. I think at the time it was a great great idea to be fair and, and to be fair, and they are they've stuck by their guns and. Um and they've brought testing in now, which is which is great. But you know, just glad that football's coming back on um, back on Saturday here.
2: You were one of the players that had spoken out about testing. Are you glad to see that the IFA and NFF have come together and they, they've listened to your concerns and the concerns of other players? Very much. Shown, uh,
0: I think they've shown great leadership. Um. You know, I think we 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 give. We're we're quite quick to give Niffle and and the IFA a bit of grief when something doesn't happen um within the league but but this time honestly I, th- I think it was really really brilliant they, they were swift in, in, in saying that um uh testing was going to come in and I, I just think it's it's fantastic it sh- shows of um taking player welfare you know to the fore and um I just commend them for it.
2: Because we know, obviously, your club have had to have a, a couple of games changed due to coronavirus. So I guess through you know speaking to your own friends and Philip Laurie was able to come out and, and talk about his own experience. Knowing how it's affected some of your teammates brings it even closer to home, if it wasn't already.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, and you know, not only that, we have to remember that people also have um, jobs to go to um, in the ice league. You know, some players aren't full time and. Um, the likes of Philip, uh, I know Billy Joe Burns was another one. Um, so, it, you know, their jobs were affected, and you know, Philip's on the front line, you know, working in the NHS. So it's it was a it was, once that happened to him, you know, I think um, it kind of brought it about a wee bit more in terms of our club, and I think we we looked at it then and thought, you know, testing's a must now.
2: Um, one thing I've learned about you in the last wee while is whilst you were out injured, you're not a bad commentator. <coughs>
0: <laughs> um, move up, moving on quickly, middle Know. Um, no, oh, do you know what I, I enjoy? I, I enjoyed that set of things, and I, I did. I, I really did enjoy it. But um, you know, football is a bread and butter. And once, once, you know, I know we didn't have a game, and I went and done done the commentating, but. I'd take uh, a game every Saturday over any day of the week.
2: <laughs> well, if I was good enough, so would I, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for anyone that isn't aware, uh, Sean was helping out with Crusaders' live stream commentary uh, on one of the fixtures before Christmas, and uh, I think he did a very good job. You threw a few teammates under the bus, but we've come to expect that from you.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, There was no way they were getting away with, with nothing. Oh, you know, obviously, I was going to hit a few boys up, but... Um, no, I did enjoy it, and I, I, a fee for you is because, you know, it is quite a difficult job, that you just probably don't get enough credit for.
2: I'll take that right now. Um, <laughs> I should be more <laughs> humble, but I'll take it when I can get it, Sean. <laughs> um, how are you feeling? I know the last couple of games you've been on the bench, but you were coming back from an injury as well. Are you are you at full fitness?
0: Yeah, fully, fully fit now, so um, available for selection on Saturday, so just have this... It's a difficult one with the goalkeeper. Um, you know, you have to kinda of wait your chance. You're actually it's 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 not great because you've actually you need actually something bad to happen. Um, you know, you need either a poor performance or, or an injury to get back in, whereas it's different if you're an outfield player, you know, you you could slot in a few different positions. So um you know, if the team's doing well and I'm not playing then then so be it. I've no problems with that. you know, the team comes first and um it's it's you know it's just part and parcel of the game.
2: And uh, I'm not saying this to wind up Jared Doherty by any means, but if you had to set out one North Belfast derby, the one behind closed doors is probably the one you would pick.
0: It would, it was, um, you know, it was a strange atmosphere at the game. You know, just having no supporters there was just, It's just just the North Belfast derby is uh, supporters make that game, and uh, as much as the rivalry, there's a rivalry there between both clubs. I think um when you you know when you've got supporters singing and backing you it, it makes it that wee bit easier to get hyped up for
2: those games. And it was a, a fight right to the last minute?
0: It was. It was a you know it, before Cliftonville will be will be devastated because we, we stole a point to be honest with you. We were really, really poor within the game. I think the managers come out after and said we were poor and um we just we didn't create much and you know, Ben Kennedy come on, takes a touch, whips into the box a simple cross and the you know, it just settles in the, the the back of the net, and thankfully we we'll, we we'll get up the road with a point. So you know, it was you know good that way that we got a point. But you know, if we 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 know if we play like that against Lorn and Saturday, and you know we're we're in trouble.
2: And looking at that game, uh, an early kickoff in the Irish League on a Saturday, you don't get many of those.
0: No, um, but it's a it's a good time, I think. It's it's good. It's the fact that TV and that are you know interested in taking the game on, and I think it's a good time to have a game. There's nothing wrong with having one one game on a Saturday a wee bit earlier. Um, so yes, it's a, we're looking forward to it. It's a we know it's a it's a big game. Um, but you know one that we're we're relishing and looking forward to.
2: Yeah, Lauren could go back top of the table at the minute. They have a game in hand over Linfield. And uh, although Linfield play later on in the day, so they will be tussling for that position. And obviously, with you just one point behind Lorn, um, I don't need to stress the importance from a Crusaders perspective.
0: Yeah, it's it's a massive game, but they're all they're all big at the minute. I know it's a little cliche, but it, it really they really are. It's starting to come into the nitty gritty of the season now, and um, I think over you know, usually we used to look at it. The, you get to the end of February, and if you're you're there, thereabouts. You know, you're, it's it's a good thing. Um, you're in the running, so it's it's a massive game for us. One that we're, as I said, we're looking forward to. Hopefully, we can go out and do ourselves justice and and get the three points. But we know what what Lauren bring, and um, you know, under this year, they've, they've they've been very very good. Um, so it's it's going to be a, a monumental um game, and, and hopefully one that we're, we're going to come out on top of.
2: And he's very quick to point out himself. You know, he's won Manager of the Month three times, but he can't do that unless his players are performing. So it does show you the levels that Larner achieving.
0: Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're playing good stuff. Um, I'm a fan of Suley um, and in midfield, he's, he's done very, very good player. Um, and at the back, you know, of Josh Robinson and, and Albert, um, we know all about Josh as a He's a fantastic defender and and Big Albert's, you know, been there and done it at, at the top level. So they've they've good experience throughout the team and um look, it's just on on the day, it's, it's it's a game that on the day I think Lauren are capable of beating us. We're more than capable of beating Lauren and it's it's just gonna come down to who um is kinda of up for it and who who wants it more on the day
2: at least it'll be a match nobody can complain about a synthetic surface again you know it's a bit like Cliftonville both of you are, are used to playing on that pitch because it's uh, it's been an interesting one watching the teams that that have those pitches doing well over the last number of years
0: yeah it is uh, I think there's no doubt that um, you know training on it and, and playing on the you know most weeks there is a bit of an advantage there but well you know other teams in the ice league have had the chance to, to, to move to the 4G and decided against it so I mean we're we're not gonna complain about having a small advantage in, in in games but you know obviously with lauren now in the 4g it's um we've we've heard so many complaints about the ground um the 4g in particular um over the last number of years you know obviously with, with Saturday's game both both teams playing in 4g we're not gonna get that so um, yeah big big game there's no doubt about it that this it's it's a big game um lauren will will look at it and think to themselves you know if if they win that, they you know they're going to be you know pushing for the league title. But at the same time, Michael, we are we're quietly confident. You know, we we've went under the radar. No one's kind of talked about us this year. We're just happy for everyone to do you know talk about Larn and Linfield. Um, and if we can just keep plugging away and getting the results, and and you know, come end of February, kind of start of March, if we're there, or thereabouts, you know, who knows?
2: Because I know the powers that be, obviously, they want to try and get the. As much of the league played, if they can't complete the entire league, but I, I guess the, the very least that everyone's aiming for is 22 games. Does does that trickle in a wee bit? Is that a bit of extra pressure because you know normally at this stage you're looking at the games played and you're thinking we have plenty of time, but you mightn't.
0: Yeah, well, one thing I would say about that is that if if they are going to do that and if they are going to put it down to a 22, um, you know, game league. Let's let's make the decision now. Let's let's get out there. There's, there's going to be nothing worse if, if teams have played kind of eighteen, nineteen games, and all of a sudden we're told, you know, it's going down to twenty-two. You know, those teams in second, and third, who have, have a chance maybe to the winner league if it was a it was a full season, won't be too happy. Um. So I think if if that is the case, let's just make the decision now and and tell teams what's going to happen. But as you say, if it you know if it does. Every every kind of game now is important. If it is a twenty-two game league, every game's important, and, and all those three points, you know, will add up to um, you know, the league champions at the end of it, whether it's 22, 33, or thirty-eight.
2: And just in case anybody's listening to this and, and not understanding, neither of us are suggesting that there isn't a Saturday you don't want three points. No,
0: not at all, not at all. Um, all you know, we go into every game looking to win. It's just um. You know, if if it comes to a 22-game league, and you need to to start winning games as soon as possible.
2: Yeah, it changes the urgency from what goes to being a good point is is definitely uh, looking like, well, there are two massive points dropped in the context of not having enough time to make them back. So it's another factor, and and that's an interesting one. I'll wait and see myself because, um, you know, the clubs have signed up to a contingency plan or a curtailment plan, whatever you want to call it, but... um, But when do we trigger it? Still is the question I'm asking, and I I'm not getting a definitive answer. Everyone kind of wants to just wait and see a wee bit more, so uh, it'll be tough for the players.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's just as I say, it's just if you give clubs clarity now and just let them know, you know, I'm sure there's some teams. There's no doubt about it that there's going to be some teams that aren't going to be happy that we. It's difficult to keep everyone happy in the Irish League, and we've we've seen that over the years in certain de- decisions that have been made. But, but that's that's it's part and parcel of the game, you know. If, but the thing about it is, though, if we're told now what what, what it's, what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, you know, how many games are going to be, clubs can then build towards, you know, that and and can look at their games coming up and think, right, this these are must wins, or um, you know, as you say, points here. Are kind of points. You know, they're not points. Um, one point gain. They're more two points lost and things like that. So it will put it will put things into um, perspective if, if we get them. Um, we get a bit of clarity very soon.
2: Because uh, we're already moving into that territory where uh, you're going to start to get two games a week, potentially three games a week, depending on how things pan out. What's that like when you when you factor in the point you made uh, towards the start of this interview? You know, a lot of players aren't full time, so. How do you do that and your job? That must be pretty tough going.
0: Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing worse than um, than you know a, a night game that you play midweek. Um, because to be honest with you, you don't sleep after it, and I'm, I'm I would be certain in saying that your 99% of players in the Irish League will say the same if they're working the next day. You don't you just when you come home from a game, the adrenaline's still in the body, you don't sleep, you're, you're usually getting to sleep about three or four in the morning and then you're back up again at nine it's a, it's a tough slow, there's no you no, know, and I'm not coming on to say ah oh, it's difficult for players and that because we're you know, we're paid to play the game which is something that not many people can say that happens but it is quite tough, you know, having a, a nine to five job as well on top
2: Yeah, well it must be, no, there's, there's no question about it and uh uh, at least uh, you're out getting playing games, I suppose. Supporters of other clubs outside of the Premiership will be saying at the moment, and um, it's, every game week is an exciting one. And um, I, I have to say, even personally, it's a great comfort knowing that on a Saturday I'm able to go to a match.
0: Yeah, and I, I, that's one thing. I think we, I think we're probably the you know the likes of yourselves and and the players, we probably take them for a wee bit for granted at times. You know, supporters, you know, put their heart and soul into clubs and. You no know, having to you know thankfully we've got a bit of streaming going this year, but you know it's it's not the same for them you know they they want to be at the games and and a feel for them, and a, as you say, a feel for those championship clubs who um we quite almost aren't even playing games at the minute
2: I'm just surprised there hasn't been uh more, I guess, like meme quality content from some of the streams because from the Premier League, mm-hmm. some of the things we've heard players saying to officials is uh, <laughs> quite flavoursome.
0: <laughs> well, I can show you that's still happening in the ice.
1: We're just not hearing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got it down to a fine art. Uh, Sean, it's uh, lovely catching up with you, and uh, I look forward to getting to one of your games again soon. Thank you very much for coming on yeah. to the score. No problem, Michael. Speak soon.
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: Well, we've reached that point in the programme where I'm very pleased to bring Colin Hopkins on for his thoughts on the weekend's games. Colin, welcome back onto the score.
1: Nice to be back, Michael, a belated happy new year to you and
2: Yes, happy new year to you as well. Do you know I read something on social media the other day, uh, it was about somebody saying Happy New Year to someone that they passed in the street and how initially they thought what a stupid thing that was you know how, how late into the year do you keep saying it and the person replied to them saying you're the first person to say it to me this year because of how things are people aren't yeah. saying people so it kind of made me think I'm going to keep saying it if I haven't said it yet so uh, you beat me to it well done. Yeah, that's it. Um, how go. are things with you?
1: Things are okay, yeah. I'm battling away at the end of the day, you know, keeping my head down. Like everybody else, a little bit frustrated in the, the current climate that we're living in, but you um, just have to survive it and hopefully get through the other side back to some sort of normality. Yeah,
2: most certainly. Um, We'll talk about the Premiership in a minute. Because we had Graham Bailey on earlier, talking about Bangers' perspective, I thought, obviously, with your Lesburn Distillery hat on, it'd be an opportunity to get a, a bit of an insight from you as well. The way things are going, Can you see some form of season returning, or what are your thoughts?
1: I have to be honest and say, I think we're getting to a stage now where football for this season, and certainly in terms of any sort of league context, it's probably looking less and less likely as the days go on. Uh, if we had to get started in January, I think there might be an outside chance of getting through it, but if we're talking February and potentially beyond that before the season kicks off, there's no way you're going to get a full season. I mean, I know even recently in our recent, you know, PAL meetings, the, you know, the general consensus of the club is, of the club's various is that, you know, the players do want to play again, and I think the clubs are keen to get them going again. However, in terms of league, it's not going to be a starter. but There might be a possibility maybe looking at some alternative tournament just to sort of really get some football in, in, in our, under our belts this season with a view to really kicking off properly again next time around.
2: Do you think, I mean, one of the ideas certainly posed for the championship was like an 11-game sprint to the end kind of thing. Could that work in the, in the Premier Intermediate League, uh, or indeed the championship, or is that a non-starter?
1: Well it might work at the end of the day, ultimately it's the end of the clubs to make that decision, but I don't think it's a fair representation of who the champions are would be at the end of the season, you know. Um certainly it depends if they're gonna look at, you know, putting promotion and relegation, you know, tagged onto it and I think that would be a very, very hard call to make that. that and sort other of sort of minor tournaments may be muted, let's put it that way to be honest. And, you know, the possibility of a maybe a competition just involving championship and PIL yeah, side, maybe some sort of like a Champions League type thing where you're in smaller groups or whatever it is. You get a few games and then obviously the winners of the groups progress to the semi final or something like that. So things they got might be an option just to get the players playing again, to be honest. But I just can't see how to do a full season of promotion or allocation included in there.
2: Yeah, it's increasingly difficult if they couldn't get those seasons going. I think a competition like that actually would be a really novel idea. Something, at least, as you said, to get players playing, we cannot take for granted the the benefit it has for those players, let alone supporters eventually being able to hopefully get in and see them.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just really the sort of, you know, really look getting those days now, I think we'll say people are losing interest, but that way, the longer it goes on you know, keeping players motivated, keeping supporters motivated, all sorts of things sort of all come into play to be and it's difficult when the players can't train and they can't play, you know, that's what they're they're looking forward to and all of a sudden it's taken from them and other things fill the gap. And, you know, you may be starting to get players saying, You oh, know what, I can move our playing again and be just stop and playing all together, which should be a travesty for the local games
2: it would be, okay. It'll be a watch this space. The powers that be have obviously been very busy. One of the things that uh, we've seen is the implementation and the top flight of testing now. We've also heard about sanctions that are being brought in to make sure that clubs adhere to all the strict rules. Obviously, they want to make sure that when they restart again on Saturday, they don't have to stop unless they absolutely need to. So uh, there's obviously been a, a lot of conversations going on, and uh, I'm I'm guessing Zoom calls rather than boardrooms.
1: Yeah, well, certainly. That's the only way we have met, sort of, is through Zoom calls, to be honest, which, which in ourselves, yes, it's okay, it tells the gap, but it's not exactly face-to-face. You can't see the whites of the eyes of other people you're talking to, if that makes sense, but uh, it is what it is, you know. You just accept it and move on, regardless.
2: Yeah, I, I think that phrase now will be forever, like, burned into our memory. You're on mute. If I've done it to Ian Baraclough, I think anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Say that one or else can you please pick yourself and you can hear a <laughs> of in the background I you. <laughs> I,
2: at the amount of meetings I have been in and in the background someone's been having a conversation and forgot to mute themselves at this stage, exactly. it, it's quite interesting what you hear, but uh, <laughs> maybe not always you want to. Anyway yeah. um, there are six games, thank goodness happening on Saturday uh, the last time we were looking at matches happening, unfortunately there ended up only being one with the weather claiming two others, but we have six, and um, of the games, four taking place at 3 o'clock. One is an early kick-off on Sky Sports at half-past 12. That is the game between Crusaders and Larne that uh, we've been uh, talking about earlier with Sean O'Neill. And at half-past 5, Glenavon against Glen Torin, which will be shown on the iPlayer with the BBC. It'll also be on their website. Uh, let's start with the... Early game, and I was saying this to Sean just uh, a few moments ago, Colin, before you came on. It's a nice novelty to have a, an early kickoff in the Irish Premiership. You don't get too many of them.
1: No, oh, you certainly don't. I have to be honest, until you mentioned that, I wasn't even aware it was an early kickoff, to be honest. You know, so much attention I've been paying <laughs> in the last week or so, you know. Well, what time is actually kickoff set for now? 12.30. Maybe? Well, 30 was, was the reasoning behind that. It's, it's, just,
2: thing. it's just, I think, to suit Sky Sports. If it's going to be shown, oh, okay. it uh, needs right. to be a bit of time they can show it. But... Um, right. there's a, you know, a nice opportunity now for Irish League fans. So you, obviously, the games are all taking place behind closed doors. So if you're right. a Sky Sports customer, you can watch Crusaders learn at half 12. And then if you want, you can dip into your pocket and buy a stream and watch one of the three o'clock games. And then free on the iPlayer at half five. You can sit and watch three games. You don't even need to get off your sofa. That's And it's all Irish League football. That could be quite a nice Saturday for somebody
1: face of various League Well, After no games for so long, it's nice to have that option.
2: Yep, I look forward to spouses fighting over remote controls. <laughs> <laughs> You've exactly. watched two, you're not watching a third. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's hard to justify a third. Regardless. You can get away when it's your own team, but when it's on the other sides it's very hard to justify it. Oh,
2: go, go sit in whatever room you need to and watch these. I think uh, we're in for some good games this weekend, but uh, as I say, we'll start with uh, the game at. Seaview, uh, Crusaders against Larne, and it's a game between two teams that are tussling for the title, and Sean O'Neill has already pointed out that you know Crusaders will happily sit there and not be talked about whilst everyone focuses on Linfield and Larne, but win here, and that's a real statement for them as they would climb up the table.
1: Yeah, this promises to be a really good, you know, good choice for a TV match, I think, this particular one. Crusaders certainly going to into- end up with. Knowing that the option is there to maybe quite potentially sort of a leap for both Lyon and Lindfield and sit top of the table come Saturday night if results come in their favour. Um, Crusaders go into the game not having lost at home all season. I think they've won every single home match this season, which is a pretty, pretty decent start from point. But on the other side of that coin, Lyon has not, have not lost away from home all season. So something quite possibly has to go come Saturday. So uh, it should be a very interesting game. Um Cross as you've said, they're right there sort of partner at the heels of the, the top two sides. I'm more than happy to sit in the background that the two top that sides have been talked about. And then they just sort of come in as one well of the fields feel feel to do so. But that said they were they were quite fortunate last time solitude, very, very in Solitude, a very valuable cannot Kennedy, though that the, the equalisers to sort of take a point away from Solitude, but they're still very much in the mix going into this one.
2: And unless it ends as a draw, there will be a new league leader, at least for the time being, because Crusaders are three points behind Linfield, but on the same goal difference. So any win for them is enough to take them above both teams for the time being. And with Lauren only two points behind Linfield, a win for them will see them a point clear of the Blues before they play in the afternoon. So there is plenty at stake there. And with both records that you've outlined in mind, does that mean you're going to sit in the fence, Colin, and give us a draw here? Or what do you think?
1: You've got that one hundred percent right, Michael. Is <laughs> draw off the week, I think it'll be a draw. I mean I know yeah. Larnwood did one last time, two one out of Denver, but I think Seaview will give Cursuiters the home advantage and I can certainly see this in a point shared one which will suit the men from Windsor Park.
2: Well it would do, wouldn't it? It's a, a game that's gonna be very hard to call. Put it that way, the midfield battle will be a tasty one, wouldn't it? Um Cadell and and Suley locking Lockinghorns.
1: Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of bad individual battles right across the pitch in terms of that one. Just unfortunate, obviously, supporters can't get into one, but good news is it is on television for watch. I fully expect there'll be a, an open sort of uh, open game and hopefully one which is entertaining for the supporter.
2: I commented on that reverse fixture. That was the one that uh, Cadell scored probably the worst Irish League goal I've ever seen. They all all do. Not a slight on and just a bit of a mix-up at the back from Lauren. They haven't made too many mistakes defensively, um, just to to give them their fair place in this conversation. But uh, they'll be going to Seaview with a view to going back on top of the table and uh, into the 3 o'clock games. Let's go to Windsor Park then, since we've uh, already mentioned Linfield. A chance for a bit of vengeance, war on point. Were able to get an historic win against Linfield when they met at Milltown. They go to Windsor Park looking for likely back-to-back victory over the Blues.
1: Yes, indeed. Linfield obviously going to this one top of the table again. Obviously, they slipped off the summit line, line to dig over, but they've now points back thanks so, to a fine one at Burnview Park last time out. Well, that was a hard, hard fought game, and it only relied on obviously that wonder strike that Jordan Stewart to secure the points you know, up there out at, at Lurgan. Uh, they've stuttered a little bit in, in recent times. Linfield have only got three wins in the last six, but obviously they're still the team to beat if, if we want to actually go on and win the title. Uh, Transfer wise, we've obviously seen Bastian Harry moving on since we last spoke. Uh, but for me personally, it's no massive loss to say because I think whereas in Europe, he was performing excellently. He just maybe didn't live up to that reputation in terms of league games. So I don't think he's been massively missed. they are still massively strong on him, so. Very much a very difficult game for them to go and try and make it back to back wins. I think they might struggle coming on today.
2: Really interesting story from Andy Waterworth the other night. If you were watching, the BBC did a top 10 goals of the season so far. And he shared a little insight into that wonder goal from Jordan Stewart, likening it to Wayne Rooney against Newcastle. And apparently the two of them were having a conversation with each other about how they could both get subbed off. They weren't playing well. And Jordan Stewart had no sooner said, it's going to be me. They'll they'll, they'll hook me any second here. I'm having a stinker. And then the ball falls for him. And he just, without thinking, there's a handball appeal going on. He's not worried about any of that. He just cracks it sweetly uh, into the net and ends up being voted the best goal of the season so far um, by the pundits. Because probably of that little conversation, that little story of, it just shows you how good he is really, doesn't it? That even in a bad game, for him, when he thinks he's about to come off, mid-conversation with a teammate, he still just goes bang, out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, that's the nature of the player. He's one of these players who so at times can be a bit quiet. And all of a sudden, just from nowhere, just turns turns on 6 and Just turns the entire game on its head. You know, a quality, quality player. And certainly coming to form now. Really, but after a few dodgy days in his open times at Windsor Park, they certainly settled now. Looks like one of the best players around at the moment.
2: What way do you see this one going then? Um Linfield, depending on how the result goes in the early kickoff, might come into this one feeling a little bit of pressure.
1: Potentially, yes. And know Warren Point of strength a little bit in the last few weeks, I a couple of former Shelbourne players, I think. Brown Doyle's went well back from Linfield. But ultimately they have they've gone through a bit of a leaner patch compared to what the Warren wins and four now for then from I really can see that continuing. I can't see them posing much of a threat to Linfield Adwins or so I'd go for a home one on this one.
2: Okay, there you go. Linfield getting the backing of Colin there. Um, I will be at the Ballymena Showgrounds, Ballymena United against Cliftonville. It's a game which um, I think could end up being a rather entertaining one. David Jeffrey against Paddy McLaughlin. What are your thoughts coming into this one?
1: Yeah, Dolomina, fair play to them. One well, of the early part of the season, we thought well, they released really struggling here, yeah. and David's under pressure, but it really has turned that around big time. They're undefeated now in seven games. It's a remarkable win, and obviously they've, the only side so far to defeat Lauren this season, thanks to that Kofi Balmer strike, just before Christmas or around Christmas time. Um, so yeah, they're very much flying at this moment in time, and obviously they've also had the player of the month of December, in Gross Redman, which is, Probably a bit unexpected, to be honest, but for, for play him for doing so, and as his performances have justified that. So they're certainly going to be very, very hard to sort of beat. certainly the uh, this field ground. Tiffin all a little bit obviously themselves, but disappointed. Confident, Natalie, did go a lot against Crusaders the last time out. And, but really, they have struggled a little bit. I mean, there are any victories in the last eight games against sides in the bottom three, which will be a bit concerning from them on. But they've added a couple of decent players up Rory already hasn't came in and have another guy, one Tiger, who I must admit I don't know much about. He's came in from Portsmouth and Home but so that'll sort of certainly strengthen their squad, but can they get a result of Palomina? I'm just not convinced he'll you know, come this time, right?
2: Ross Redman um has been playing fantastically for Palomina and um the when the panel informed me that he was getting the nod for the player of the month, I had to say it was an inspired decision from them because um, I'd covered Balamina a couple of times and he had been their standout player and I know supporters had certainly made that point too so he's had a renaissance under uh, David Jeffrey, and I mean how many times have we said that about various footballers throughout the career under that manager and to be yeah. setting five points off Crusaders uh, as we're having this conversation now and, and potentially uh, before they go into the game depending on the result of the Crusaders match is a testament to them this is a fourth against fifth where Balamina have a game in hand and are three points ahead of Cliftonville
1: yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, Balamina has said, they have that. we decent sort of not just in terms of an individual player, but as a team as well, over this last of weeks. And certainly they're going to be very, very hard to beat. They've got the, the bit between their teeth, as the old saying goes now, and it will be hard to defeat. Last time around, when the sides did beat at Solitude, let's not forget they also won 4 0 as well. So that'll sort of give them a lot of confidence going on this one. I personally, if I was forecasting, would be going for a home run on this one.
2: There you go, Balamina. Uh, tipped to keep the good form coming. Um, elsewhere, Carrick Rangers Porta down, and this is a, a, a big game for both of those teams, isn't it? Because it's uh, down at the bottom of the table. Carrick have only played nine times, Portadown have played ten, and Dungannon and Swift, who have played 12 times, sandwiched in between them. But if you're Matthew Tipton, you know a win here gives you a bit of breathing space over Carrick, and that'll come as a huge relief. But equally, if you're Niall Curry, you know you can't afford to be cut adrift, even with games in hand.
1: You no, know, you're 100% right. This is a absolutely massive game, you know, for both sides, especially, you know, for Kerry Grangers. You know, if they do lose tomorrow, I think it's going to be very, very hard for them to draw that back. I know it's early stages and a long, long way to go, but, you know, once there's a gap appears at the bottom, it, it has become very, very hard. Confidence gets shot. All sorts of things come into play. That's uh, very, very difficult to recover I'd say, Carrick, had not been playing badly of it. I mean, I know they lost last time in a cold but they were quite unfortunate. I mean, they got a penalty that day. If they had to scored that penalty, it could have been very much a completely different game, unfortunately they missed it, and then you a somewhat dubious one, uh, as I thought, I don't mean, know what your three points were, but uh, it looked a bit dubious to me, but obviously that the penalty went against them, and they one-bottom down all of a sudden. And the game and took, got two late goals to give it a more comprehensive scoreline. So, Carrick not playing too bad, to be honest, but in his spare mind, the only win so far has been against Guess Who for the time. So, they can do it again tomorrow, but it's going to be a hard game for
2: them. It will be uh, a tricky one, all right, at uh, Taylor's Avenue, or the Belfast Lockshore Hotel Arena, as I suppose I should uh, really be calling it by now. Um, what are your thoughts, then? Who are you going for?
1: I think Carrick may be this one. Stick my neck in the block on this particular one and say, can I go in? not said that, they, they need to find their goals scoring a little bit more because only seven goals in nine games and, and the then four of them came against Portadown, but maybe they'll have a bit of an Indian sign over them. So let's go for a home run.
2: There you go, Curry. Uh, back to do it again against his former employers. Uh, Corain against Dungannon Swifts. That is the last of the three o'clock games, uh, the one we haven't spoken about yet. And Dungannon, it's a perilous position for Chris Lindsay's side. They knew it was always going to be a difficult season, but, um, well, they've a, a better form against Corain. Can they do it again? I
1: don't know. Corain has found a little bit of form recently. They've now won three in a row, but uh, I don't think it connects, you know firing on all cylinders yet. I mean, as I mentioned there in the last review there, it was a somewhat controversial county when he got them on the way against Carrick um, you know, last time out, so that sort of turned that game in their favour. Can they see them pushing for league honours as we thought they might have done at the start of the season? I don't think so and that's now beyond them. Um, but, you know, tomorrow they'll certainly fancy their chance they can result. I mean, in terms of goals scoring, in, on um, these ups to the man in four months it's his 50th goal in the in last time out from what I remember. I was actually interested to see his comments there about the Irish Cup maybe being a twelve-team competition this season. I'm not sure what your thoughts on that.
2: Well, I've missed what he said, so you can bring me up to speed on that first of all he didn't say an awful
1: lot he, he, I mean, I read through the article it was in the Belfast Telegraph he sort of said about it was a possibility that the Irish Cup might have to go to 12 premiership sites in order to get it concluded this season and he didn't sort of he's, you know I'm not saying took the good side of or, or against it but it was just an interesting conversation in be had. so if the Irish Cup came down to 12 teams would that be you know a positive thing or a negative thing uh, I have my doubts or not how, how much he can put into there's only 12 teams playing on
2: yeah it's a It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because you could even say that already. It's down to 32. And (laughs) there's usually over 100 teams get the right to play in it. So it's already been watered down. So if you water it down further, it's hard to say that winning it isn't a diluted experience. So to carry the analogy through, so... How do you
1: water down? You've have 32 teams in a draw. You're just going to say, "Well, that voids now. The draw is now void. I just remove it." But I don't know. Does that open open IFA? know. quite a few claims here, no, I just don't know. It's a I, tricky one.
2: I would think that they will do everything in their power to keep it to the 32 teams and honour the draw that is made. That would be the most sensible decision. It would only be in extreme circumstances that they would seek to change that. And I'm sure I can't speak on behalf of the IFA. I'm surmising, but I would think logically that is going to be what they would have to say and do. What would I personally think if it had to be cut down to 12 teams? I guess it would need to wait and see at the time in, in which the decision was made, but speaking to you now, no, I know I don't think I personally would like it um, just because it isn't the Irish Cup then. That isn't the, that isn't the magic of the Cup.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree, yeah. So, the, the other point I think about this particular game, which we're discussing obviously since we last spoke you know, the the Swifts have brought in two extra players in Matthew Smith and Ryan Mays returning, they both come back in from Ball and Mallard. They're obviously a championship side. Now I think this is a little fear on some of the championship sides if their players can't get playing, you know, are they gonna jump ship and move to premiership sides just to get playing football once again? And that's a that's a genuine fear across both sides in both the championship and indeed the PIA
2: yeah and, and that is a fear they have been expressing on the score. we've We've heard from representatives of clubs making that point and, and earlier on uh, even said by Graham Bailey, you know if the championship was allowed to come back but the PIL wasn't, you know in, in whatever circumstances would allow that, if they maybe were granted elite status for sake of argument, then the PIL clubs would have that fear of championship clubs, yeah. and whilst neither league is permitted to play. Certainly, then people have that fear of premiership clubs, and I imagine leagues below that will that domino will just keep hitting the next league, whichever way it is. So uh, it's a hard one. You, You probably can't govern on that basis, but someone will lose out no matter what decisions made
1: but one, but having said that in terms of the two players, those are two good signings, obviously, for the Swiss, will so certainly strengthen their, their side. You know, from that sort of point, Colerain on the other side, I think it brought Matthew Sheldon since he last spoke as well. So he he'll strengthen their team as well because he's a decent player. So, in terms of predictions for this one, I can't say anything beyond a home win. I have to be honest with that one.
2: Okay, Don Gannon got the 2 0 win when they met at Stangmore, but Corian are being tipped to do it this time by Colin Hopkins and the last game, the half five match. Is Glenavon against Glen and uh, this is eighth against seventh.
1: Yeah, Glenavon sort of, as usual, sort of you don't know what to get from them. So most weeks they're they're pretty decent, but there's the odd time they're they're not fantastic. Honestly. I haven't said that well, they only defeats in the last six games. of actually been against Linfield and Lawrence. So they're in a very bit of a form at the moment. Glen on the other hand, well we're still not too sure what to make of them. Um, They've only scored five goals in their five away games this season, which is obviously a bit of a concern, they don't have to, to them you know, having to travel to more. If you've done three of those games, those goals, don't forget we're against Lincoln at Windsor. So take them out of the equation. You've only got two goals away from home in four, four league matches, which is a bit concerning. So I think it'll be a very, a very good game. I'm glad to see what happens on, on TV as well. So can get a watch out of that one, you know.
2: Well, if your predictions are correct, a win for Glentorin, if you were to back them, would see them go into the top six, which would be welcome news, having loitered in the wrong half of the table for too long for their supporters' liking. But the question is, and I'm sure everyone will lean forward towards their radio, or uh, indeed wherever they're listening to this now, and wonder, are you backing an away win, or will it be the Mournview men smiling at full time?
1: I'm going to back Glen Hovland on this particular one. Um, and the reason for being that, because the uh, Torn to me are still still the little bit stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. I mean, the only wins this season have been against the bottom three, which is an interesting statistic as well. So I think they might stutter again tomorrow. Glen Hovland at home, as we've seen against Linfield last time out, difficult, difficult side to beat. And I, I, just, I will go for the prediction to get them a home win tomorrow.
2: Okay, well that will... Make for a very happy Hammy, won't it? If that is the case, uh, Glenavon to get the three points against Glentoran—that uh, is Colin Hopkins' prediction. Colin, thank you for coming on to the show as always. It's lovely to be talking about football again after uh, that little break that it had, and um, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on developments as uh, as they come with regards to the championship and the Premier Intermediate League too. And I know so many of our listeners. Are uh, crying out to get back and supporting their teams. But um, it's just a time where we all, whether we like it or not, just have to kind of be patient, I guess.
1: Yeah, just a matter of really keeping the head down and looking for, hope for better, better days ahead, let's be honest. out, Shannon. Hopefully, over the weekend, hopefully, we'll start seeing the spring coming in and football starting to going again.
2: Fingers and toes well and truly crossed. I never thought I'd miss being frozen at a ground as much as I did sitting in for one Saturday. And and I know that makes me sound incredibly spoiled. So if that's the case for me, uh, believe me, I really know that uh, if you haven't got to see your team in some time, which is the case for most of you, um, you just can't wait. So I hope that day isn't too far away. But uh, we'll bring you developments as they come here in the score. And of course, share with you every single Friday. But for now, uh, from Colin Hopkins and myself, all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.